From the Geo Professional Business Association, this is COVID Concerns, a podcast dedicated to providing GBA members and friends timely industry advice and best practices from your peers in the geo professional industry. Things are changing quickly as we all learn more about the virus and its impacts to our industry. With that in mind, remember what you hear on our podcast is the opinion of the speaker and is not intended to be advice. Please do your own follow-up research and make sure to check our show notes for links, clarifications, and additional information. This is episode four and has been sponsored by the Geo Professional Business Association. This episode was recorded on May 8th and includes audio from a town hall meeting that GBA organized and hosted. We hope you appreciate the valuable information that these speakers are about to share. All right. Good morning, everyone, and afternoon. And let's get started. Hello and good Friday to everyone. I'm Joel Carson, the Executive Director of the Geoprofessional Business Association. It's my honor to facilitate the discussion today. As I've been talking with our members in the past, well, now a couple of months, I've heard how challenging the coronavirus pandemic has been for geoprofessionals everywhere. While many people are faced with the same challenges, not everyone has all the answers to those questions. And so um, as now some states are starting to talk about reopening, there's some new challenges. It's just a very dynamic business climate. And as leaders, we all need to stay on top of those challenges that, that occur daily. So GBA is hosting this call to facilitate dialogue amongst members and to share lessons learned best practices, and identify things that we should all be looking at for the future. This is the culture of GBA, to share our experiences and learn from each other. And out of this idea that this town hall concept was born. This is the fourth in a series of conversations that we've had with industry leaders. And those discussions have been with senior leaders of member firms to get a more full perspective on the impacts Today's spotlight is with the emerging leaders in geoprofessions and the impacts the pandemic has had to their work experience with supervisors, coworkers, and clients. And so without further delay, welcome to GBA's town hall meeting. Our panelists today are Abigail Teller. She's a project manager at Terracon and she's calling in from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Good morning, Abby. Uh, Tiffany, our, our second panelist is Tiffany Voorhees, and Tiffany is a senior associate and vice president at SME. SME. Tiffany's calling in from central Illinois. Good morning, Tiffany. Good afternoon. Morning. Yes, no ampersand there, just SME. <laughs> and we have Ryan White. He's a principal and geotech engineer group manager at PBS engineering and environmental from Portland, Oregon area. Hello, Ryan. Hey there. All right, let's get started with the questions. I see that you're all working from home as are most of us on the call today. And so I'd like to start with you, Abby. What's been the biggest challenge for you about this new working situation? Well, um, 
as a project manager, uh, and I work in the environmental service line, so a lot of our projects are longer term. Um, I'm generally still working on data and reporting from projects I've been doing for a while. Uh, the uh, pace and the workload hasn't actually changed much, um, but the method with which uh, we discussed it as a group, uh, questions about the project, making decisions moving forward at critical junctures, uh, that's probably been the biggest challenge, if not simply because I can't walk down the hall and talk to my group manager about it. Um, even though I can just as easily call him, uh, I wouldn't have thought this before the COVID situation broke out, but there really is something to be said for being able to just get out of your chair and walk down and, and talk to somebody. Um, so a lot of uh, those conversations have to be planned out a lot, or at least a schedule, you know, and more in advance. Um, it's not quite as easy maybe to be able to get a hold of somebody. Uh, so probably um, working together in that teamwork environment has, it's changed a lot and we've adjusted to kind of get back to that point to where we need to be. But that was definitely the most significant challenge um, from a project manager standpoint at first. Uh, now, as far as a personal challenge working from home, um, which I know everybody's experiencing that differently depending on how much you were already doing that before COVID. Uh, I, I really wasn't doing it very much before COVID. I always wanted to do it. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'd be great working from home. Uh, I've learned ways that that is and is not true. The, the biggest challenge I think working from home is that fine line between um, needing to establish a, uh, a consistent schedule so that you are yeah, being efficient with your work and trying to go about the day as you would as if you were in the office. Um, but at the same time, because we really, uh, can't leave the house right now that uh, too much routine almost becomes frustrating. Uh, but I have found that establishing some sort of routine is, is, is vital. Yeah, definitely. So Ryan, from your perspective, what's been the biggest challenge regarding working from home? Yeah, sim similar to Abby, I think having that separation between work environment and home environment is challenging. Um, when, when we're, kind of our workload is slow to bed or, or whatever, we feel obligated to always be working. And so when you're at home and there, you don't have that clear separation of going to the office or being at home, kind of always have that looming work uh, over your shoulder. And so uh, it's been a challenge to kind of develop a schedule or, or have that kind of break, separate room, whatever it is, to kind of keep, keep those two parts of life separate, still have a, a life outside of work. Do you feel like you're working more, Ryan, than you were before? <laughs> I, I do feel like without the, the commute, um, kind of spent more time, um, it's just easier access, right? Because your work is right there. You can get a snack, jump over, do some, check your email or whatever. So I, I feel like in a sense, I've been a lot more efficient just because of, of that convenience. But yeah, I, I don't know, Pro probably have been working a bit more. Yeah. So Tiffany, I, I understand that you work from working from home is not new to you um, and that you've been working part time from home for several years when you're not traveling. What guidance do you have for business leaders on the call about managing people that work from home? Yeah, this is definitely not new to me. I've been doing it for about six years where I work two to three weeks a month from home. And then the other part of the time, I'm actually traveling out of state. 
So I, I feel like I've got it down to a science now. Uh, my first tip is don't have a very rigid formal plan, but I do think you have to have some guidance and set some expectations. Uh, the real quick background on my story that I think might help some of you is mine really ties into employee retention. I, for family reasons, was traveling back and forth between a couple states after I had already worked for SME for eight years. And I had something come up, so I'm going back and forth like every three weekends and it became very taxing and I was just dealing with that on my own and getting back to the office. And it actually led to me looking for and finding another job. And when I went to tell our president, he said, what are you doing? Just, I trust you be where you need to be and do what you need to do. And that was a huge switch where I was already a dedicated employee, but now even more so. Now I, I am where I need to be. I work it out myself. I take care of it. If somebody wants me on a call, I'm on a call. And uh, I think that is huge for employee retention of just one more reason why businesses need to consider these plans and have something in place. So a couple things that I've learned that I think uh, companies need to be prepared for is that everyone works different. Like, you know, some people um, want to be at their computer very specific hours. Others want it for flexibility. So you got to think about those things and what will work for your company and what won't. For example, are you going to want very specific hours that people are online and you're going to want to see that they're logged into Skype or Teams or are you going to be more flexible? I know one of my clients, I know that one of the favorite metallurgists that I work with, he doesn't start till 10 a.m. in our time zone, but I can still get a hold of him at seven at night. That doesn't bother me at all as somebody that I hired to do things for us. So think about those things. You might have staff who want to start later, earlier. Can you make that work or not? I think one very big and very stressful thing for me was knowing which things I had to be in person for. So I think you've really got to think about that and set some expectations. If you want people in person for certain meetings, make that clear so that they can plan on that and be there. And then let them know when they need to travel if you're requiring specific things and then how much in-person time. They're, you know, do you want them specifically uh, in person with their staff for some things? Can they determine all that on their own? So those are some things that I think you've really got to figure out for your companies what are the non-negotiables and where can you be more flexible? Otherwise it's another rigid plan and you're not really offering flexibility. Yeah, that's, that's all great advice um, from somebody who's done it and is now seeing everybody else in the world start to work from home also. Um, and maybe as a follow-on question to Ryan and Abby, uh, my sense is that before this, you didn't work from home much. Uh, now that you're working full-time from home, in the new normal of post-COVID life, do you think that you will be um, uh, working from home regularly or once in a while? What's your desire on working from home uh, post-COVID? Um, so for me, uh, you know, working at Terracon, it's you know, a, a larger organization um, that has corporate level policies as well as more um, office level um, uh, sort of policies or guidance. I, for me, it's it. I have to kind of defer a little bit to that. I don't entirely know in the direction that 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 would go post COVID. But if it was left up to me, um, I think that as I've gotten better at working from home, 
um, gotten more efficient. I'm not, not perfect on it yet. I would probably um, split my time if I could um, between the office and working from home. I've always been the kind of person that uh, does actually get distracted in the office just by people being there some days. I'm always the person that's up at the office on Saturday getting more knocked out in eight hours than I did the rest of the week. Um, so I think I'd probably split my time if I had the choice. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'd, I'd like the opportunity to do that. Uh, similarly, I frequently have to sort of sequester myself to get things done to get away from those sort of uh, stop-in distractions and things like that. So uh, working remote, whether that's, you know, one day a week or more, more frequently, but I could easily see, you know, maybe a day a week working from home and allow you to get caught up on all that stuff that you never seem to be able to get done with the distractions at the office sometime. Yeah. You know, I, I would um, kind of add to that as far as having distractions at the office with some comments that I've actually heard from um, sort of staff level people that are on my teams um, that in our actual office environments, they have cubicles. Um, and depending on where you are, some, sometimes they're those, you know, little half wall cubicles. Sometimes they're a little bit more closed off, but uh, because in the office, they don't have doors to close if they're um, distracted and need to get something done. I found that um, the staff or field level personnel that work in those cubicles are doing much more efficient at home now. So I think that that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's, it's just a comparison as to what you've got at the office versus what you, you've got at home. Yeah, really good points. I think that we're all going to have to look at our offices in the future and see if those cubicles really make sense for our businesses going forward. And if if they don't, then how does that change our our building leases going forward? And uh, all these things have to be considered post-COVID. And we're going to address some of those concerns. Uh, what does a post-COVID office look like in a future town hall? But I think that the ideas that you're all sharing here are, are uh, things that business leaders should be paying attention to right now as we prepare for a, a new paradigm. Um, I also appreciate that people are using the chat button here and sharing some of their experiences and um, feel free to use that chat button to make comments, to, uh, to uh, add to this conversation, the richness of this conversation. And we will have some time for questions and answers at the end of uh, the session. For, uh, for those of you that are in the audience for our panelists. So um, my next question, in our previous calls with industry leaders, communication has been emphasized. In fact, uh, more than once they said, you can't over communicate during a crisis, especially as our employees are working from home, as we've talked about. So Ryan, what are you finding are the best methods of communicating with your supervisor, your coworkers, and, and those that report to you? We've had to do more sort of check-in. Uh, we don't have the opportunity to, to bump into each other in the hall to catch up on things. So sort of scheduling those regular check-ins with everybody to make sure um, from a workload perspective, everyone's doing okay. And, and even now, personally, everyone's doing okay. And I've got remote staff in a couple different offices that we've had to communicate this way for a while. So um, to a certain extent that doesn't change, but getting used to, especially with younger staff, not having the opportunity to sit down and work out a problem or, or brainstorm and solve things. It's, it's a little more difficult doing it electronically versus just sitting there in person and doing that. So um, yeah, just making the effort to regularly check in with everyone, both sort of your supervisors and those um, that you're managing 
just to keep tabs. Yeah. How about you, Abby? Do you have different communication tips or experiences? Uh, I really have to echo a lot of uh, what Ryan said. Um, uh, in that checking in is, is really vital. Uh, as far as communicating on, on projects or things that, um, you know, deliverables deadlines, um, it's obviously, you know, making sure that you're maintaining those open lines of communication because you can't walk down the hall. Uh, but it's actually uh, the smaller things that I, uh, me and my team kind of uh, grew to, to, to notice needed attention as we uh, really those first few weeks of the COVID at home quarantine, we noticed we needed to change something. Um, in particular, uh, what we decided to do, and this is both a, a work and a, a personal thing, is um, in my case, there's uh, uh, my direct project team basically consists of three people in my office, including myself. Uh, we've been working together for seven years by this point. We know each other very well, and we're used to talking to each other on the regular. Um, we frequently find ourselves just in one of our three offices and we'll, you know, have these impromptu meetings, whether it be project related or personal. And those first two weeks, we realized that we felt disconnected, not just on a personal level, but on a work level, um, from what we were doing in the office. So what we started doing was we have it on our Outlook calendar that three days a week, we have a 15 minute Teams call and there's no agenda whatsoever. We just make sure that we are maintaining that same connection that we would have in the office. Um, and it might just be, so how are y'all doing? Um, who's mowed their lawn lately? But then it also might be, oh, hey, did you, did you get copied on that email from this client? Um, so you can kind of maintain that same dynamic that you would have in the office uh, without taking too much time out of your day or scheduling too many meetings. Yeah. So when I said, uh, that you cannot over communicate during a crisis. Uh, Tiffany, I virtually saw you cringe a little bit when, when I said that. So um, maybe you can share your uh, thoughts about uh, communicating during this crisis. Yeah, in general, I would agree. And, and I love, you know, our, our company, I think our president did a great job probably six, seven years ago after a GBA thing, he started really communicating more and sending out here's how we are financially, here's how we're doing. And that's all been amazing. But COVID, I do, I am getting feedback from staff that they're burnout on the communication. And I think it's coming from too many directions. And I think staff are at a point where they feel like, you know, the everyone all emails, plus an email from their supervisor, plus an email from their department, plus an email from their regional office, plus emails from their specific clients and project sites telling them what to do. I had a, uh, actually, when I knew we were going to be doing this, I emailed a couple staff, said, how are you feeling? And the first response I got was, I feel like some people are beating a dead horse. Like, I, I can't read one more email telling me what to do and how to be safe when I'm going out and risking myself every day. So, yes, the communication is very important, but I think that right now we need to go above and beyond to make some phone calls and limit the amount of directives we're given, especially via email, because staff are getting stressed and they need to be focused and attentive in the field and trying to stay safe. Great. Ryan, Abby, any of that ring true with you about potential for over-communication <laughs> during this crisis? Um, so it's, I, I was very interested to hear you say that, Tiffany, because when you first started um, uh, talking about that and going down that path, my thought was, 
well, I don't agree with that at all because I, I, I love hearing it from my CEO one day and then hearing how that applies to our office in our county from our office manager the next day or our department manager, um, largely because Terracon is nationwide, so our CEO can't give us a ton of strict policies um, other than best practices. But then when you started, when I realized that you were talking largely about about field personnel, that these are the people that are going out and risking their jobs every, or risking their, you know, that they're possibly their health, but every day, um, and that your company is very much depending on right now, I realized that I was only thinking about it in the context of a project manager and I'm spending all my time at home. Um, and I can imagine that that would be um, a little bit grating for people that they, they say, hey, I'm the one putting on the mask and the gloves and going out there. And it, it's a little bit annoying that you're telling me how to be safe when you're at home. Um, but on, on the other hand, um, the thing that I do like about it, um, as far as the sort of communication structure that, that a large firm like Terracon has going on right now, is that we do get these the important updates um, from a, a, a central source and everybody gets that update. Um, they do it on a regularly scheduled basis. Um, I, I open them up as soon as I get them pretty much uh, because I wanna see, okay, what are we thinking about going forward? Uh, they are very direct about you know, what they're thinking, very open and transparent. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the next day I get an email from my office manager and they say, okay, in Tarrant County, they have these policies, make sure your temp you take your temperature before you leave home, do these things. So, uh, I, I, I've appreciated the multi-level communication, but I probably only get those emails four times a week. Ryan, anything more to add on this topic? It it actually, similar to Abby, was something I hadn't considered from, from that perspective because for the most part, I'm, I'm at home. So um, I think I need to make some calls immediately to field staff and make sure we're not overwhelming them because I, I do see those and I, I think everything is great and everything's going well, but hadn't considered that I'm not the one really putting myself at risk. So I think that's great. Yeah, it might be a good time for us to just pause and, and think about all those people. All of you are considered essential services in the services that we provide as consultants, but uh, I think there's a lot of heroes out there that are actually the ones putting on masks and sitting behind drill rigs and sampling uh, wells, uh, groundwater and concrete and, um, and communication as I found just builds with every layer that it comes down. So if you're near the top, of the, the pyramid, the communication might not be uh, as much as it is as different layers continue to pile on, pile on, pile on to those corporate communications and guidelines. So all great thoughts um, here and for all of us to consider messaging needs to be clear and concise and it has to be um, maybe coordinated so that we don't overwhelm people with uh, communication. How many times does somebody need to be told how to wash their hands? Um, it's important to learn, but I think we all have it now. Um, and so uh, just need to be cautious about that. Thank you guys for bringing that up. I don't think most of us were thinking about that before we got on the call, but I think it might be a big takeaway that we all get out of this call today. We've talked a lot about employees of member firms during these town hall meetings, uh, but we also have to recognize the importance of clients to our businesses as consultants. It implies that we have clients and uh, they have certainly been impacted by COVID-19, which impacts our businesses. Tiffany, how have you had to adapt to your clients' needs in response to the impacts of COVID-19? 
Yeah, this has been really interesting. The department I manage is a steel, we call it steel coatings and non-destructive testing. So we do weld inspections, coatings inspection, those type of things. And our three biggest clients are the Michigan Department of Transportation, Ford. We go into their plants and oversee, you know, modifications to the buildings for new vehicles. And then our third largest client is actually our internal, what we call CMS, but a lot of you probably call COMET. So we get a lot of our work internally, probably about 30%, and that work drops significantly. So I have a team of 15 that, you know, several of our staff members are working for the DOT and they're working 50 plus hours still, but I have like three staff members who are working internally for that other department. And now we've got to shift things and how can we share? Certainly don't want to lay a couple people off while other people in the same department are getting overtime. So that's been, that's been very interesting as far as balancing our staff. Uh, I've had some calls with clients that said, you know, like, MDOT, is there anything more we can do for you right now? They said, yeah, we can't get our interns in as early as normal. Can you help with these things? Can you do that? So they've actually helped us with a couple of those people who were lighter. So that's been great. For example, though, Ford, you know, we do all their shutdown work. So I have four staff members who planned on two months on the road going to nine different plants across the U.S. And I'm calling forward two and three times a week, just seeing where you're at, because all their shutdowns are going to get pushed back now because they're not ready to reopen their plants. So I'm just reassuring them, I'll be flexible with you, but you know, prices might have to change if you change the order of plants and how things are going to go. And they're all, they're being very reasonable. They're being great to deal with. So it's, it's definitely been hard, uh, interesting to adapt, but it, it hasn't been bad. And I guess one other thing is DOT, you know, I called them and said, we're uncomfortable flying because they send us out of state a lot. And they were great on that as well. They said, we understand if you got to drive 14, 15 hours and take two days to get there, we're okay with that because of what's going on. So just checking in, seeing how things are going and letting them know what our pain is. It's been great. Great. Abigail, has the way you deliver work products to your clients changed in the past couple of months? Um, the short answer, I, I guess, is um, at least from my service line perspective, uh, doing environmental work with uh, you know, hazardous investigations, uh, it's, it's no. <laughs> we are delivering it generally the same. However, on projects where um, we have had to indefinitely delay uh, the field work aspects of it, usually sample collection, um, due to usually it is a two person um, job in which we have two field technicians um, that are doing like, uh, for example, one thing we call clean hands, dirty hands sampling. Uh, those two people cannot do that job and still stay six feet apart. So uh, on those projects, we did have to delay them, uh, but usually that field work was only one aspect of a greater project um, in which there was still a ton of desktop work to be done. So at the beginning um, of, of this quarantine period, um, I, there were several clients that I had to contact and say, okay, change of plans. Uh, this is the order we're going to have to do things in. Um, it's a little bit different, but we can still make it work. We can still move the project along. Um, but because we're not at this point getting on those projects, getting in, for example, new data so that we can, you know, there's that you know, exciting moment when you're, you do phase two environmental work where you can send your client a data table with all the contaminants you identified. 
Uh, we don't have that point anymore. So what we have to do instead to sh give our clients that good client experience and show that Terracon's here for you, we're still working right now and moving your project along, is we just have to send more regular update emails. Um, sometimes they're nothing super significant. They might just say we're making good progress on the report. Um, one thing I like to do, again, to show them that, uh, you know, we're getting the work done for you and to remind them that, yes, we're still here being your technical expert, um, is I'll send them like maybe a map that we've recently drafted up. And it's just in draft, uh, but it's just to show them because we're continuing to send them progress invoices. Uh, you know, this is what you're paying for right now. We're not all just sitting at home twiddling our thumbs and not taking samples. Uh, so even though we can't collect your samples until maybe July, uh, we're still here um, on your side, getting work done for you and making sure that you're meeting your deadlines. Great. How about you, Ryan? Is there, what adaptions have you had to make with your clients? Yeah, sort of from the, the practical side, we were delivering our work the same. Um, you know, field work has continued and for the most part, we're, we're separated. So that hasn't changed. We're sending out electronic reports. Um, that hasn't changed, but sort of philosophically, I guess, um, had to learn to be a little more patient, a little more flexible, um, trying to recognize that everyone's work environment's a little different right now, including, you know, our clients, whether they're private consultants or uh, agencies and things like that. Uh, we found some of the public agencies have struggled maybe a little more than private consultants to work remotely. A lot of their files and things are, are at an office. They don't have the same tools maybe that we have for remote access. And so um, just being, being patient. And Tiffany made a good point of just um, additional communication probably is, is definitely warranted to, to keep them updated because things might take a little bit longer. So letting them realize that yeah, you're, you're still working, but things just uh, don't seem to be going as quickly with, with all the limitations we have now. The traffic is a lot better, so. <laughs> so Reed asked a question that is kind of a follow on to this. Um, are you seeing tension between the client, senior leaders in client firms and their project managers? So the, the senior leaders are more conscious of safety directives at where they're deliverable people, their boots on the ground people don't want projects to be delayed and they want to keep keep rolling. Any tensions within client organizations that you're seeing or being impacted by, Brian? I, I haven't seen that. I think for the most part, everyone's been really understanding. Uh, I think everyone still wants to get their, their projects done quickly and efficiently, but my experience has been that everyone's very understanding of you know, some people are homeschooling kids during periods of time during the day, and we just don't have the, the same flexibility that we did when, when we had, you know, kids in school and spouses and everyone at their offices. Yeah, the no soccer thing has really impacted our schedules. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Tiffany or Abby, have you seen any tensions in uh, your client organizations that are impacting you? Uh, I'm not no even the like the Ford one for example I said if you if you think this PO you know PO is half a million dollars of course I'm worried about it being canceled I said if you think it's going to be canceled just let me know and he said no it's fully funded it's going to go you just got to be flexible but what I am hearing is uh, we call them local agencies in the Michigan area that would be counties and cities that we work for 
hearing a lot there where they're really worried about, I want to get my project done now while we have money in the bank because they're worried about tax dollars coming in. They're worried about the gas tax, you know, because people aren't driving. They're super worried about next year's funding for their projects and they're trying to do everything they can right now. Yeah, good points. I, I was, uh, I, I will echo exactly um, what Tiffany said specifically with yeah, reference to those local organizations. Um, uh, I guess this is a very specific sector, but I'm sure a lot of you have these clients. Um, uh, municipal organizations with regards to uh, their sort of facility maintenance groups, we have several of those. Um, and we and they utilize Terracon on a, a COMET um, a service for environmental as well. And uh, they, uh, that, that particular kind of client, they also have kind of a little bit of a challenge right now because they, they need to keep their projects moving for all the same reasons Tiffany said. And on the other hand, because they are this facilities maintenance and um, you know, engineering uh, group, they also have responsibilities to the public right now about making sure that their government municipal buildings um, are safe spaces, the ones that need to be open for essential reasons. Um, it's, it's their responsibility to make sure that the sanitizing crew comes in. Um, so they're, they're stressed about their budget, they're stressed about their project deadlines. So they really need us to be on top of it for them because their attention is really split right now and they're, they're counting on their consultants. Yeah. So our next question, recognizing that our audience is mostly leaders of geo-professional businesses, uh, both large and small from all across North America. And as emerging leaders, what changes in the work landscape do you see post COVID-19 that may change how geoprofessional firms do business? So Ryan, I'll start with you. What, what do you see post COVID? Yeah kind of reiterate some of the things we've said already is uh, flexible work schedule, remote work, and fewer in-person meetings. Uh, I think it's a, it's a very good point that um, people now have an opportunity to work. Maybe they start later in the morning because they get the kids ready or something like that. But I think what we've found that as difficult as this has been, we've still managed to be pretty productive and in some cases maybe more productive. Um, by allowing people to be flexible with, with when they work. Um, and I think with, with the video conferences, this is a great example. Um, there's just a lot you can get done without physically having to go somewhere. I think there's always something to be said for sitting in the same room. And sometimes I think that can't be avoided, but I certainly think that maybe there will be a reduced number of those types of meetings in, in preference for you know, a video chat or a conference call. Um, I think we're just getting as much or, or more done in some cases without having to take the time to drive somewhere maybe and do that. Yeah, or get on an airplane. Yeah. Abby, what do, you, do you see any other changes post-COVID uh, that may stick past this pandemic? Do you see any other changes post-COVID uh, that may stick past this pandemic? Um, I think as an extension um, of, of what Ryan said, with more people working remotely um, and flexibly, and as a result, there needing to be uh, probably fewer office spaces or space inside offices. Um, with our industry, because there are such a large portion, um, you know, project managers and up that can work from home, I, I have a feeling, it's just speculation, but that we're going to be seeing less uh, or fewer uh, brick and mortar establishments. 
Um, I, I've, I've heard it um, discussed on, in just sort of a casual way for a few years now, but the idea of, um, for example, you know, instead of our, we, we have a Dallas office, instead of a Fort Worth office, what if we just had a Fort Worth lab? Um, and, you know, everybody else could either work in the Dallas office or work from home. Um, and I think that those are conversations that are probably going to pick up again. Um, the other thing, uh, and this is looking further into the future, uh, but it's, it's out there, uh, is looking at the younger generation, um, you know, but the, the millennials are all grown up, they're in the workforce, but the people that are coming out of college now, this Generation Z, they're a little bit different. Uh, most research has shown that they're much more similar to Generation X in their habits and their um, sort of attitudes and outlooks. Um, but they're also this, you know, this, these technological natives that have always been able to, um, you know, apply their technology wherever they are. And I think that number one, with them already sort of having that outlook and that attitude and those skills, and then that combined with them now coming out of college, I think that this um, entry level uh, generation that you know we're, we're hiring and we're developing right now is going to expect more than they already did that their future employers allow them these remote and flexible options. So uh, I think that it's it just like if somebody um, that you're interviewing, a recruit that you really want asks you, what kind of benefits do you have? I think they're also going to be asking you, can I work from home when I want to? Tiffany, what do you think uh, changes are going to come out of this whole thing? Yeah, those, those were great, very you know, long-term things that I think we need to prepare for. So my ad would be the short term. I think we all need to be ready for varying levels of comfort regarding going back to the office. So I think if we try to push too fast, you're going to have people that say, listen, I'm not ready to potentially get exposed. I've got this situation that affects me more than others, maybe. And, and we've got to be prepared for that. I have staff right now, you know, I had one of my team leaders call me and say, I've got so-and-so going in the office every day and you said we don't need to, is that okay? So people are already like, should I be going in? Should I not be? We have some staff that just love being in the office. That's what they thrive off of. We have others who figured out I work really well and I'm really productive at home. So I think that transition is gonna be hard and coming soon and we need to think about, are we really gonna force people to go in or are we gonna force flexibility on team leaders who might not be comfortable with it? So this is kind of a natural follow on to that question. Um, in our Wednesday's issue of GBA Newslog, we included a poll that asked workers what they missed most about going to work in the office. So Abby, what do you miss most about not going into the office every day? Um, I, I miss several things. I, I do miss the uh, routine that it forced on me. <laughs> um, even though we're, you know, there's a, a fair amount of flexibility and no one is really, uh, is really getting on your back if you're coming in at nine instead of eight. Um, we do in our office at least, just kind of have a general culture of our clients are in their office at 8 a.m. So we, we need to be in ours too, so we can pick up the phone. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, different people would stick to that in different ways, but definitely providing that stronger hand of guidance just from a workflow, you know, getting work done perspective, I kind of do miss that. Um, I'm not quite as self-disciplined as probably some others are, uh, but I, and I touched on this earlier, but I think the biggest thing is you really just grow to appreciate and miss the camaraderie that you have with your team and your employees. Uh, I, I, I think I took that for granted 
just the conversations that we would have over the coffee pot. And I, that's, I don't take that for granted anymore. Good. Ryan, what do you miss most about the office? Yeah, I, I think I may have fallen right, right in line with the majority on that poll. I think uh, just the daily contact with people, the small talk, the, you know, kind of the, the little things. I mean, we're still doing all, all the big things and we're getting the work done and we're talking about work, but uh, it feels weird to, to have to call someone just, just to check in, though that's become necessary. Something, something about sort of an organic conversation, just bumping into people, small talk on how, how things are going. Um, I, I didn't really think of that as something I missed, but the longer this goes on, I, I feel like that's, that's something that um, I do miss, actually. Yeah. Tiffany, again, you haven't been going into the office for several years, but what do you miss most about the office experience? Yeah, I, I loved that survey. Seeing it, I just had to grin when I saw that number one was people said, don't miss it at all. I think that will change. <laughs> I, when I first did it, you know, I, I put a lot of stress on myself, work during these hours, make sure everybody knows you're online. So I think this is not a normal working from home situation. And I think if you put plans in place, you'll see that and things will change. And there are a lot of motions you go through when others are in the office and they're getting that camaraderie and you're left out of it. So that's just something to be aware of. It happens and, and it'll be stressful for people as they transition if you start allowing this more permanently. But really for me in the long run, it's, uh, it's leaving the house and seeing people. They're literally like, there'll be two days where I find myself just in my office from sunrise to sunset working on stuff. And two days in a row, I, I had no reason to even leave the house. And that is weird. And you go through a lot of mental shifts with those things. So that has been the hardest for me. And I had to actually, um, my coworkers see on my schedule every day at lunchtime, I have a one hour private appointment. On my end, it literally says, get out of the house and go for a walk. So. <laughs> That's, that's what it is for me is seeing people getting out. I miss the lunches with teammates. So I think if you put these plans in place, encourage staff to take a break, be offline for a minute, go, go have lunch with a friend. If you're not coming to the office, that's okay. Yeah. All good answers. And another one of the answers on that poll was they missed the good coffee. Um, but frankly, my coffee, as, as all of you probably is much better at home than it is in most office situations. That scored like 1%. Coffee's way better at home. <laughs> I, I, I know. I was, I, it was interesting to see it on the list, but you're right. It was just a sliver. Um, Okay, then that's a good plug for GBA Newslog. It's a really great resource for what's happening in GBA, uh, what's happening with our member firms and what's happening in the industry. And so uh, for all of your employees, it's a great way to stay connected with our industry is by subscribing to GBA Newslog. Um, before I open it up for questions from our audience, um, I'd like to, because I think we could go on and on with these emerging leaders with really valuable input put from them. Um, it, but before I open it up for questions from the audience, um, I'd like to ask each panelist for their response uh, to this fill in the blank. So Tiffany, how would you fill in the blank? The big silver lining in all of this is what? 
I am really happy that everybody is looking at new ways to meet, new ways to do training, new ways to get together and network. I'm pretty excited about that part because, you know, everybody talks about it as a society. Our kids are in a million things. We're running a million different directions. And this forced us to slow down. I honestly think that productivity for a lot of people has gone up because we're not going to all these conferences and all these meetings that we had on the schedule. So as somebody who's, like I said, home about half the time and either in another state or at conferences or at training, the other half the time, I think I will be more productive and have more time with my coworkers if some of these things can be done remote in the future. Good point. Abby, how would you fill in the blank? The big silver lining for all of this is? I think that firms that have discussed in the past moving to more of a remote and flexible form of operation, but hesitated because they were fearful of uh, sort of the unknown productivity, the way that it would just affect our general workflow and clients, think that they've got their questions answered now. Um, that, you know, we've kind of got forced into this and um, I think it'll work for some, for some people and it won't work for others, but at least we know now. Good. I agree. Ryan, how are you filling the blank? The big silver lining in all of this is blank. I had to think about this for a while to try, try and find the good in this, this situation. And for me, it, it's strangely sense of community. So even though we're all separated um, and it's difficult to connect, uh, at PBS, we've kind of gone out of our way as a company as a whole to have regular check-ins. And so we see everyone's faces like this and it makes that connection sort of more intentional because you're seeking people out um, rather than just sort of taking it for granted. And so that's not something I expected to get out of this, but it's, it's something that I, I recognize and, and hope that we can build on it even when we're, we're in the office. I think this will definitely change how we feel about you know, our, our company culture as a whole. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and personally, I've connected with old college friends and probably more connected with my brothers and sisters through this. Um, and then so many colleagues and friends from the past through GBA now have, um, have reached out. And that for me has been a very nice silver lining as well. So uh, we have the, time for just one or two questions from the audience. Um, if you'd like to unmute and uh, I'll try to recognize you as having unmuted and uh, you can ask a question of these emerging leaders, the future of our industry. Um, does anybody have a question for the group? I do, if I could. Vic Hi, Victor. Hey, um, I'm wondering if, if you all are dealing with any clients that um, <clears throat> have kind of taken the opportunity to slow down their spending because of the, the costs that they're dealing with through COVID or in my case, some of my energy clients dealing with the oil and gas situation right now. Um, it, this was somewhat opportunistic on their side to shut everything down for COVID, um, but they've expected us essentially to be ready to go as soon as the, the switch is flipped. And it, internally for a company, that's difficult to maintain staff when your clients are sort of holding the work hostage temporarily. Have you seen anything like that? Any strategies or ideas around keeping the right staff level for being able to come out of this strong? 
but in the meantime, basically having to pay people for limited work. Tiffany, it looks like you're off mute. Yeah. We are dealing with that. As I mentioned, Ford is pushing stuff back and that's going to be pretty hard to have people ready to go for a couple full months out of town, not knowing what the date is going to be. We're not anywhere near having to get rid of staff. And fortunately, we qualified for the PPP loan. So there's a little bit of support there with salaries. So we're doing a little bit of training and keeping everybody on board training and cross training. Where we're a little bit light right now, we're also taking the time to write some procedures and just make sure we're ready when things do break. So I don't know if that's something that others can take advantage of, but yes, we are seeing that in the private sector and that's what we're doing to help out. Ryan or Abby, looks like you're off mute. Any slowdowns or uh, client implications from this? Yeah, um, we definitely, from, from the, the client implications uh, standpoint, uh, but from the work that we do um, in my particular service line, we have a, a wide variety of clients, but definitely, especially in North Texas, a, a pretty good chunk of it is um, developers and REITs. Um, so, and because we're not really working so much in the construction stage, but in those initial um, you know, due diligence, just before they even purchase the site, that has slowed down a lot. Um, basically phase ones aren't there, so they're not turning into phase two ESAs. Uh, we have a lot of other work, ongoing work, but um, because that is a pretty big chunk of uh, the work that our field staff does, even though our project managers are just as busy as they've been before, uh, we were struggling to keep the utilization for our field staff high. Um, so one of the things that we did, and, and honestly, this has great, um, uh, I think it'll prove good results down the line is we are using this opportunity for cross training um, or it may not even cross training as much as um, training up. So our field staff didn't get hired with us because they wanted to be field staff forever. They want to be, um, they want to be uh, reporting staff or project managers one day. So now people that all they did before um, is collect soil samples are now getting to write proposals, um, getting to write proposals. Uh, about the soil sampling that they're going to be doing. So it's, um, and yeah, not all of it's, uh, what, you know, chargeable work as I call it, but uh, it's, it's, it's there. And I think that it's, we're going to look back and go, yeah, you know, the, the, the John learned to do this reporting or these proposals because he had a few slow weeks during COVID and, and it really had good implications for his um, career development down the line. Great. So Steve uh, had a question about uh, new hires and the challenges of onboarding new employees um, when they're not going to the office and how that's very challenging and inefficient and, and may even damp the morale of those new employees. So um, Ryan, have you had any experience with onboarding new employees during this? Yeah, we, we had a new hire about 10 days before the stay-at-home order, and he actually moved from Pittsburgh to the West Coast, uh, where he has no family, no friends, and living by himself. And so he got about 10 days of initiation before uh, we were all working remotely. Um, I think to his credit, we're, we're fortunate he's pretty, uh, pretty driven and independent, and so I haven't had to worry about keeping him busy. He's very conscious of you know billable work and what he can be doing with his 
his time when he's not billable. And, and kind of like what Tiffany said, we, we had the benefit of the, the PPP loan. And so we're trying to maintain our staff and take advantage of this slowdown. I mean, historically in geotech in the Pacific Northwest, we used to have kind of a slow period between design and construction that these younger staff haven't seen in years. And so to them, they, they get a little uncomfortable. And, and I was just like, hey, take advantage of this slow time to learn something or develop a new skill because we're gonna be busy again. It's not like this is gonna be a forever thing. So yeah, doing, doing important non-billable work uh, during the slowdown and, and not trying to stress so much um, has been a challenge, yeah. Abby or Tiffany, any experience with onboarding uh, during this remote time? I'm dealing with it right now. We had, right before this happened, we had arranged to hire, to have somebody start this May 18th because she was uh, moving back from Mexico to the US. So she needed a little bit of time. So I've got her starting that day and one of our interns. The intern is gonna be really hard because I, I see you know posts in the chat about what do you do with the younger staff that you really need to incorporate and they need that over the shoulder help. That one's gonna be hard. And I have our operations coordinator working on a plan for that right now. I asked him to get me something. What can we do? What can we give him when he has downtime? Let's start talking about who is comfortable coming in. One of the other ones who's starting is one of our new welding inspectors and she needs to cross train with our staff and see the way we do it. So I already said, I wanna make sure before you start, are you gonna be comfortable working in an aerial lift with somebody within six feet? Here are the safety things we have in place and she is. So we're, we're working on that right now. We're also, you know, we were in the middle of launching our SME university internally. So I've got a couple of those staff, thanks again to the PPP loan, taking advantage of a little bit of downtime and going through and creating some training videos. I'm trying to even do some videos on our reports and here are some keywords, here are some taboo words from GBA that you don't want to use, you know, and walking them through that videos so that they can watch some of those things when we don't have somebody who's available to come into the office for a couple hours that day and help them. Yeah, good. So I think that you've, you've all highlighted something uh, throughout this conversation is the importance of uh, taking this time to train up or cross train employees. Just a little pitch for GBA and all the resources that we provide to our members. We have uh, over 750 reference, references that uh, provide a lot of opportunity for professional development and training. And um, so please access those as you're looking for training for your employees during this uh, unprecedented time. Uh, we're close to out of time right now, and I'd like to take this opportunity to thank uh, you, Tiffany and Ryan and Abby for participating in this. Um, I'd like to thank your firms also, um, SME, PBS Engineering and Environmental, and Terracon for giving you uh, the opportunity to participate in this town hall meeting and in our Emerging Leaders class. We're very fortunate to have your support in this. My silver lining of all of this is the support that we get from our members through volunteer efforts and attendance of meetings like this. Um, thank you all, we're all in this together. And when we work together, we lead through crisis, we manage risk, we elevate our profession, 
It's a very honorable profession. And so we're gonna get through this together. Um, and thank you all for attending this and for sharing your thoughts on the chat and for, uh, for your tentative, attentive nature for these emerging leaders. Uh, a lot of gold nuggets came out of this and I hope they're valuable to you and your firms. Hope you all have a healthy and safe weekend. Thank you very much for attending. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit geoprofessional.org for more information and member resources.